a while back, I had intended to look a little closer at Christ's Sermon on the Mount. You know, we, we all have, have things we intend to do, but it doesn't actually work out the way you, way you want to. I, I read over his Sermon on the Mount, and uh, I, I enjoyed it so much. And to me, it's so much. There's so much a wealth of information, a, a wealth of knowledge, wisdom in it, that I had to look, you know, a little deeper at it. Um, didn't make it as far as I would like to. Um, I always intend on going to my office and studying my word and praying and learning, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, if everyone thinks that's my job, you're wrong. Really, does that happen? There's always things go on, you know. So I didn't make it as as far as I went to in the Sermon on the Mount, but that's okay, um, because we're going to look at something this morning. I, I was praying, and I felt like God just kind of dropped all this on my lap all at once, and I feel like it's the words of the Lord for this morning. So Jesus had been, this is leading up to his Sermon on the Mount, he had been fasting in the wilderness, and he, he was taken by the Spirit, led into the, into the, uh, the wilderness, and then Satan came to him and tempted him, and you know, I think we're all kind of, kind of somewhat familiar, tempted him, and Jesus, you know, contended with the enemy, and finally the enemy left him for and, and Jesus came out of the wilderness, strengthened himself, and then he began to preach. Really, a lot of people say that's when he really began his history. He began to preach repentance. And uh, as he gathered some disciples up, up, that's kind of when he went around and, and he saw some of these men, fishermen, and so on and so forth. And he, and he said, follow me. And he began to gather his men, his, his disciples. And then he began to minister and preach and teach. And he began to heal people. And then soon, crowds began to, to follow him. Okay? Well, he goes up to this mountain, and you know the exact location of this mountain. That there is a mountain they call today. I think they call it Mount Beatitude or whatever it is. But they're they're not 100% sure. Somewhere in Galilee, maybe near Capernaum, something like that. Anyway, he he goes up on the side of this Miss Mountain. His his disciples come and gather around him, and he be, begins his sermon on the mount, which is fantastic. We're not going to make it very far far in the sermon on the mount. We're actually just going to look at really the very first thing he says and not really make it too much further. Um, so we're going to pick up reading in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Okay? It says this, And seeing the multitudes, this is Jesus now, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we're going to hop there, okay? And that's what we're going to look at today. But Jesus goes on, and many may be familiar with this, but Jesus goes on to teach what we kind of call beatitudes. You know, the blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. All those beatitudes, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. All the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes really are a list of ethics that Jesus is teaching us to go after. He is teaching us to exemplify these things. These are good things. These are attitudes that we should show forth to the world. Let these things become you is what Jesus is saying. These things are good. You should show forth these things to all the world. Mercy. And to, to be able to suffer persecution the right way. All, all these things Jesus is saying, and be them. If things 
take root in you, then you will be blessed. If you let God mold things in you, then you will be blessed. That's what, that's what the attitudes are. If you let God come into your life and begin to prune dead branches off of you, then you will begin to show forth these beatitudes. Let God place these things in you. Let them grow. Let Him work through you. Then you will be blessed. The beatitudes, they're really, really the fruits that glorify God. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, that that is the whole point of your life is to glorify God? That's what it is. It glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That comes from something called the Westminster Catechism. That we are here to glorify God. It's the ultimate purpose of man and to enjoy Him forever. We glorify God and Jesus said, these beatitudes here, that is how you do glorify God. And if do them, then you're going to end up with a blessed life, a fulfilled life. If, if, if you're meek, if you're merciful, if you can suffer the wrong, if, if, you're, if you're a peacemaker, these things will bring glory to God. This is how you do it. You let Christ work in your life, and these things will begin to grow, and you will begin to produce fruit, and you will be blessed to be that. Jesus is saying, if you... Exhibit these characteristics, and you're glorifying God. You're, you're, you're bringing glory to, to His name through your life. You will be blessed. You will be fulfilled. The, the Beatitudes, they, they are qualities that we should have in our life. They're, they're, they're characteristics that we should have in our life. That we should aspire to exemplify the Beatitudes. So, Having said all that, let's go, let's go back to that, that very first one. That we read, and we're going to just get that very first beatitude. And it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, as a pastor, and believe me, I, I watch a lot. I, I try to see what's going on in, in what's called Christendom, you know, in, in our nation, in our world. I try to mention what's going on to the things in Canada, the things in our persecuted nations. I try, try to read magazines, and I try to take a lot of information so that I can keep a little bit of a hand on, on pulse of what's going on, not only in New Hope Church, but in the nation. And I can tell you, from my, from my view, I, I don't know that we even even know to be poor in spirit is, let alone exemplify being poor in spirit. What, what, what does that even mean, being poor in spirit? Oh, brothers and sisters, to be, to be poor in spirit, poor in spirit, they're, they're the people that realize they need a Savior. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. They, they admit that they are sinful. They don't try to hide it. They, they, don't, they don't try to make any excuses about it. They don't blame someone else. People that are poor and spirit, they admit it. There's something wrong with me. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. That's what it is to be poor in spirit. They're broken over their sinfulness. They're broken over the sinfulness of their communities, their states, and their nation. That's what it is to be poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, those type of people know, know that their soul in want. They know that their soul is a state of poverty and wretchedness, and they need some help from outside of them. That's what it is to be poor spirit. Poor spirit have no reservations in admitting that their soul is, is in a state of desperation. And Jesus says, if that's how you are, you're blessed because of that. 
If you're poor in spirit, if you're knee in your spirit, if you say, I need something, there's something wrong with me, I'm broken. I don't work right. I always do wrong when I want to do right. Jesus says, on the right, right track. You'll be, you'll be blessed if that's your attitude. If you're poor in spirit. I don't, know, I don't know how much to understand that. Let alone exhibit that. You know, we, we have this, this overall feeling in church, in modern Christianity, where sin isn't that big a deal. It's the, we've been dumbed down to that. That is, the, that is the opposite of poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit, sin is a big deal. And you're bro- broken over it. Uh, constantly, I go to prayer for this nation. And it breaks my heart to look at what's going on in this nation. We've went haywire over sinfulness. Sinfulness in ourselves. Sinfulness in the church. Sinfulness out in our communities. and In grocery stores and neighborhoods. And if that doesn't break your heart, then you're not poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the king, king of heaven. Jesus is saying here, it is a good thing if, if you realize and admit that your soul needs help. He's saying, that's, that's good. You're, you're on the track. You're on the, right, on the right track. The poor in spirit know that they're doomed without a redeemer. They, they look within themselves and they recognize the need for redemption. Brothers and sisters, I, I can't stress this enough to you. It, it is absolutely amazing to me how many people in church, out church, doesn't matter, are unable to look with themselves and say, wait, wait a minute here. I'm the problem. I, I'm the problem. It's me. Nobody can do that anymore. It's always someone else's fault. Well, I'm a jerk because my dad's an alcoholic. Or I'm a terrible person because my parents weren't there for me. Or my best friend did me wrong. Or my ex-wife did this to me or that. It's always someone else's fault in our society. We actually teach that in our society. We, we, we actively teach that. We, we teach, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Jesus is saying, then you're not, not poor in spirit. The people that are poor in spirit, they, they, they look within themselves and, and they look out at this world and they say, it's me. It's me. It's me. I, I need to change. No one can do that anymore. No one can. Brothers and sisters, I cannot stress this enough to you. you, you, you good situations come up. People get into sinfulness and, and, and blame the pastor. They blame the church. You weren't good enough. You didn't sing the songs that I like. You didn't, you didn't shake my hand enough. You gave me a hug that one day I needed a hug. It's your fault. Right? It's your fault. It's for her fault. People cannot, people do not have the ability to look within themselves and say, it's me. I screwed up. Jesus is saying here, look within yourself. And recognize the need that it's you who needs saved. It's you, you who needs to be redeemed. And Jesus says, if you are that way, you're blessed. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, see these poor, they, they see within themselves. They, they see iniquity when they look, look within themselves. They see fleshliness when they look within themselves. They, they examine them in the spirit. They see transgressions. 
and, and they're broken over it. You know, I think the Apostle Paul does a good job explaining this in, in the Romans, especially chapter 7. I encourage you to go through the entire book of Romans, but at least go through Romans chapter 7 and then move on to chapter 8. You will understand what I'm saying this morning. If you look back at these teachings of Paul, Romans chapter 7, verse 18 says this. Paul says, For I know that in me, me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. The apostle saying, I'm willing to do good. I want to do good. I know in my head I should do good. I know in my heart I should do good. I will to do it, but I can't always perform it. I keep screwing up. I keep messing up. I keep doing the wrong thing. Brothers and sisters, do you, do you ever realize the ironic thing that Christianity is? We, we can keep it. We can't keep it. We have, all, we have all these things in here, and, and God said all these things, and we can't keep it. One of us in here that can keep it. There was a philosopher a long time ago named Nietzsche that said there was only one Christian, and he died on the cross. Now, now that's not correct, but there's an element of truth to that, is there? Really, what he's saying is, there was only one true Christian, and it was Jesus. Everyone else butchers it up. There's an element of truth to what he said. The Apostle Paul states that in the verse that I just read. You know, read that, read that in the American Standard. The Apostle Paul saying that the willingness is there, but how to do the good is absent. The, the willingness is there, but do the good, it's, it's not there. He desires to do good. He wants to do good. good. He wills to do good. He knows it's right. But how to actually perform it, he can't seem to find. And he, he butchers it up many times. Now, the Apostle Paul knows that the Lord has redeemed him. Jesus has redeemed him. He knows that if you know the background of the Apostle Paul, all the Lord brought him out of life of self-righteousness. Apostle Paul was a religious man. He knew the law. He, he knew all the commands and, and so on and so forth. The Apostle Paul used to torture these Christians, have them, have them thrown in hell because he didn't like this new sect that had just sprung up. And he, he tortured them, had them thrown in jail, and, and he persecuted Christians. He was responsible for the, for the death of Christians. And then he met Christ, and Christ redeemed him out of the lifestyle. Now the Apostle wants to glorify God. He wants to live a life that is dead to the, to the thing of the world, but he can't seem to completely perform all the good that he wants to, all the good that he intends to do. He admits this only, and that's what, that's what it is to be poor in spirit. That's what it, is, what it is to be. You can see Paul, is, he, he's hurt over this. He, he wants to glorify God. Every brother and sister in Christ in here, you should have the desire to, gl- to glorify God. You should want to glorify Him, to love Him, to show Him your appreciation, to show Him your, your affection. You should want to produce these fruits. You should want to have, have the attitude. You should, that desire should be in there. But Paul is broken because that desire is there. But man, how to do it? That's a whole other subject. I want, want to be an awesome Christian. I, I want an awesome man of God. But man, when I, I match what I desire, what, what happens in my mind... See, see, I'm reminded in my, my heart, man, I do this all the time. I never make up mistake in my, my marriage. I never mess up being a father. But, but in reality, 
I make mistakes in my marriage. I make mistakes as a father. I make mistakes in my testimony. And Paul's, Paul's saying, you, you see that conflict? That's what it is to be poor in spirit. It's to, to be saved, but to realize, I, I still need him. I still, my soul is still in want. The apostle concludes with, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Even though you're saved, the poor in spirit recognizes the need for Jesus every day of their life. Somewhere along the line, we have made Christianity, it's almost like come get your Jesus inoculation. And you stand in line, and you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Help me to be a good person. Not to do these bad things anymore. It's just like an inoculation. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Almost like it's a transaction with Jesus. Thank you. Give me what I need. Thank you. Uh, uh, you can have my heart, my heart, heart. Thank you. See you later. It, it's not a transaction. It's not a one-time interaction with Jesus. It's not. It's a continual state of, I need you. I need you in my life, Lord. I needed you yesterday. I'll need, I'll need tomorrow. I need you today. That's what it is to be poor in spirit. When, when an individual realizes we have a religion that can't keep, then you might possibly be on your way to being poor in spirit, which is a blessed, blessed thing according to Jesus. You know, to, to look within yourself into spiritual poverty is a good thing because it causes you to run to God. If you look in yourself and you see these things, that need, need to go, see that Lord needs to work in you. It causes you to run to God. It causes you to run to Christ. It causes you to stay close to Christ. As a Christian, you can't say, okay, thank God. Now I'm going to go over here now and I've got this figured out. No, you, 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 always, you should never, never come up from the foot of the cross. Jesus says, stay that way. Stay in your spirit. Stay in your spirit. Because you're better, that's the way you are. Stay close. You know, in biblical times, the, the poor people were the, the lepers. They were the blind or the maimed. They, they were maybe, maybe the elderly or in, lost a house or widowed something. And they, they did not have the capability to provide for themselves. Nowadays, the line gets blurred. The, the poor and the lazy in a nation for today. Can they say amen on that? That, that drives me crazy. We have bred a lot of lazy people in the So the lines get blurred between poor and lazy. But but I'm, I'm asking you to focus on the actual poor this morning. Okay, the actual poor. Go back to and were handicapped people. They were poor. They had no way to sustain themselves. They couldn't just say, well, I'm just going to go get a job and I'll work myself out of this situation. No, they were actually poor. There, there, there was no system for them that said, here, here's a whole bunch of free money. No, they were poor. They, they were beggars. They were needy. People would walk by. They would say, please show mercy on me. How many times did, did the blind people call out to Jesus, have mercy on us, have mercy, mercy. Be quiet, you blind people. And then they would call the loud, have mercy, because they were in a state of desperation. Jesus is saying, be like that in your spirit. Be like that, that in, in a state of desperation. Let your soul be desperate for me. Desperate for help. 
just like the poor back then that could not see the poor in spirit do not have, have the ability to help themselves. Christianity is not a just help yourself type thing. No, it's a, it's a thing when we need help. We need a Savior. You see, the poor in, poor in spirit, they, they don't have the capability to fix themselves. They don't. If we could all just all fix ourselves in here, we don't need Jesus. We don't need the Bible. I'll just do it myself. See, the poor in spirit, they don't have capability to solve their own problems. They, they don't have the means to. They can't. That's what it is to be poor in spirit. To, to come to Christ, come to God and say, Lord, Lord, I cannot do this. I can't. I can't. I have tried. I want to be good, but I can't. That's what it is to be poor in spirit. Jesus says, stay that way. Stay that way. If, if uh, go back to those biblical times, if a, if a, per, a person blind, they, they had to have someone to show them mercy. They had to. Or they'd die. They couldn't go get a job. So if, a, if a person was a leper, they had one hope. He cleansed from their leprosy. If, if a person was an elderly widow or something, they, they had one hope. Someone show no mercy. Someone show mercy on me. I can't work anymore. My body's broken. It doesn't work. They had to have someone to show them the mercy. These people were desperate. They were, if, if no one showed them, showed them mercy, they were going to die. If no one gave them a piece of bread, they would die. Jesus is saying, that's how I want you to be in your spirit towards me. Be poor in your, in your spirit. Be needy and desperate in your spirit because that will keep you close to me. That will keep you attached to the true vine. That will keep you from wandering off and off to their pasture. Be poor in spirit, Jesus says. You know, the world today tells us it's the world's mantra to get rich, to be wealthy. You, you, know, you know, how much do we idolize all the rich people in our nation? You know, th these people could be complete idiots, but because they're rich, we'll idolize what they say or their, their tweets or, 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 or if tweet something, ain't heard nobody's going to, I don't have Twitter anyway, I don't even know how to do it. But if I tweeted, tweeted, yeah, no, no, who's about that guy? But if some clown of the world who happens to be rich, rich, something stupid says it, they'll retweet it thousands and thousands of the times because we idolize the, the wealth, wealthy and being rich. What was it? Years ago, I remember there was a rap, rap album that came out. It was called Get Rich or Die Trying. You know, that, that is the most of our day. Get rich. Get, become power, have the nice cars, the big home, that American dream. Get get rich or die trying. Jesus here is teaching the exact opposite in a spiritual sense. He's saying, no, no, no. I don't want you to try to get rich in your spirit. I want you to stay poor. You know, you know Jesus say, he, he's saying, don't get to a, to a place where you start thinking, man, the, the pastor called on me to pray the other day, and I really... I really had a home, a home prayer. It was, it was awesome. Don't, don't ever get to a place where you say, man, I witnessed this to three people this week. Uh, man, I, I got a, a passage of Scripture memorized. I'm starting to figure this thing out. Jesus is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold, put on, on the brakes there. Stay poor in your spirit. Stay humble. The world says to get rich. Jesus says to stay poor in spirit. 
You know, to, to be poor in spirit, spirit is to be in a constant state of the need for Jesus Christ. Just that quick, quick dose of Jesus. Then, then you're good to go. Go on about business. You don't need East now. You, you, you had him once. Everything is, is good. Go check on that guy. Go check on the drug dealer over there or the, the guy that's a murderer over there. Come okay. Jesus says, stay poor, spirit. Stay poor so that you don't forget it. You, you need me is, is really, really what Jesus said. Stay poor so that you don't forget what sin does. Stay poor. We, we, we spent over a year next door studying the book of Revelation. And written by a man named John. And we really enjoyed study. We did our best and feel like as a church we kind of understand that book, that book a little more. And in that book, uh, uh, the author, John, is moved by, by the Holy Spirit. Early on in the book, he writes letters as he's moved by the Holy Spirit to, to the seven churches found in, in Asia, Asia Minor, Minor area. And in one of those letters, he writes to, to a church that was found in Odyssea. And in it, the, the Spirit of the Lord says to, this, to that church in Laodicea. Now remember, these are church people. Revelation chapter 2, verse 15 says this. says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And verse 17 says, Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of, need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Brothers and sisters, to me, that describes a vast number of American Christians. I'm okay. Man, I'm here at church. What more do I want, man? I... I raised my hand during one of them worship songs. Why don't you focus on the murder over there? Why don't you focus on the guy right there who just got caught for adultery? Why don't you focus on this person over there? They got real problems. Jesus is saying, you don't even, even know. You're blind, wretched, naked, poor, and state of your soul is most miserable. That's, that nation is, we're wealthy, we have homes, we have gardens, with goods, and those things aren't even sinful. They're not. They're not sinful in and of themselves. But they are if you had neglected the state of your soul and you go around telling anyone, I'm fine, I'm good. There's nothing wrong with me. Jesus says, stay poor in your spirit. Don't, don't, don't get to a place where you don't need me that bad anymore. Gee, you've already cleaned me up. Look, you are. I stopped cussing. I used to used to get drunk, and now I, I don't anymore. I don't need you, bad Jesus. That's just not the right track. Jesus says you, you can glorify God, stand, stand, put in spirit, and you'll be blessed. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this verse. It's a very powerful, found, written by, by the prophet Isaiah in chapter sixty-six. Verse 1. Isaiah writes, Thus saith the Lord, and listen to these words, church, let them pierce your heart. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my own, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things have my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. 
But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. God's saying, are, are you going to build me a house? You're going to build me a house? You want me to come and live in it? The Lord, the Lord says, who's going to build a house for me to come in and live in? All, those, all that construction material, the trees, the wood, all the things that you're building me, this, I made them. They have me because I made them all. And you don't expect me to do that? And then he goes on to say, here's the person that I'll look at. Here's the person that will catch my attention. It's to, it's to the man that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my heart. I says that God's focus will be upon the man or the woman that has a sense of brokenness inside of them. That's what it means to be a, 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 a trite spirit. You have a sense of brokenness inside of you. Over, over your, your sins. Over the sins of your loved ones. Over the sins of the nations you live in. The sins of the world. You'll be bro broken inside of you. Then God's eyes. The Bible says God's eyes look through and through and fro for the whole earth. And when he gets to you and he sees brokenness, he's going to stop. And you say, look at this man or look at the woman. They're on the right track. They're on the right track. Because of a brokenness. God, God listen to me. God is attendant unto a person that is poor and contrite in their spirit. God's attentive unto that person. God sees that person. God blesses that person. God says, what, what is that person pray, praying here? I want to hear their prayer. The, the person's on the right track. You know why I think God is that way when he sees, when, when, when Isaiah says, I will look to him that is of a poor and country. You know, you know, you know, I believe because the person with the broken heart over sinfulness and that is poor in their spirit, I believe that reflects God's heart. His brokenness over sin. His, his, his feelings of, of, of hurt over the, the sinfulness in this world, ravages of sin. I believe it reflects heart. And, and that's why his eyes stop when they get that person that has a contrite spirit. So the person reads Isaiah 66, this verse, and they, they tremble at his word. God's eyeballs stop on that individual. It doesn't mean if you're poor as in just low on cash if you're spiritually poor like we've been talking about this morning if you see the need for for spiritual healing if you see the need for revival in this nation that's what it is to be spiritually poor that's what it means to be contrite in heart and god eyeballs will stop on you heaviness in your soul do you have that that this morning is there a heaviness in your soul over the condition of our nation? Do you, listen to me, do you have a broken inside of you over the lost? Or could you care less? I don't care about them people. They don't care about me. There would be a brokenness over the loss. Are you, are you vexed in your spirit over the state of all this? If you flip on the news for 10 seconds, you should feel a vexation inside of you. Because you should have this biblical worldview and you should see always it's the result of this and, and drifting away from God. And it should leave you broken and hurting in your spirit. If God sees that, he, he pay attention to that person. That, because the person is on the right path. That, 
when, when you're broken, it, it, it's glorifying God because it's reflecting his heart. He hurt over sinfulness. You say, how do you know that, Gigi? Because Jesus clearly tells us. He's in a very good example. That's what we'll read about it. Jesus was this way. He was hurt over this. Jesus was heart sick because of the sins of Jerusalem. Now, Jesus' little fancy word, Jesus' dispensation was towards the Jews. He came for lost sheep of Israel, okay? So you see Jesus interacting and, and preaching and teaching to all the Jewish people, okay? He kind of left the, the Gentiles and the rest of that until apostles and then the disciples. So Jesus is ministering to these Jews, but they reject him. They reject the Messiah. And listen to, as I read these words, see if you can capture what Jesus is. See if you can kind of get a, a, a glimpse of his heart in, in what he says in Luke chapter 13, verse 34. And remember, we're talking about being poor in spirit this morning, about this over sin. Luke 13, 34 says, this is Jesus. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which kills the prophets and stones them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather, gather her root under her wings and you would not he says behold your house is left to you desolate and verily say unto you you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord do you see the pain in Jesus' voice he's looking at his beloved Jerusalem he came to save and to be the Messiah of and he says you're rejecting me you're rejecting the Messiah and he's hurt over it. He's saying, I'm saying, I would have gathered you under my wing. I would have ministered to you. I would have, I would have healed you. I would have showed you the truth. I would have been the Messiah to you. Had you have led me, but you, but you rejected me. And now he's saying, it's, it's not going to go good for you. You would not. You rejected me. I would have taught you. I would have protected you. I would have loved you and healed you. But you rejected me. I would have redeemed you. But you couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. I would have shown you the truth, but you wouldn't. He's hurt over this. Listen, another time Jesus does, does the same thing. On his triumphal entry back, back into Jerusalem, he's riding on a donkey and people are throwing the palm branches down. And listen to what it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 31. And, and see if you can hear his voice in the thing he says, the brokenness, the poor in spirit. It says, and when he was come near, near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, it had known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. Now are they hid from thine eyes. Look at verse 43, as Jesus is weeping, he says, For the days shall, shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee in with the, with the ground, and thy children in thee. And they shall not leave in you one stone upon the other, because thou knewest not, not the time of my visitation. Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm in, I'm in front of you. I'm trying to tell you. I am he that you've been longing for all these years, years, the whole Old Testament, the law. They spoke of me, and here I am. And they rejected it, couldn't see it. And he's weeping over Jerusalem. Because he sees the sin, he sees the hard-heartedness, he sees the self-righteousness. Remember all the Pharisees? Their attitude, the Sadducees, their attitude was him was, man, we got a law, law, Moses. Well, who are you? We don't need you. We be Abraham's seed. They were self-righteous. They didn't. Jesus was pre preaching repentance. And then they would come on it. 
mean repentance. I got nothing to repent of. Man, I'm the religious leader of today. I'm the churchman. And Jesus is weeping over it. Because they were not poor in spirit. They couldn't. They did not have the ability to look within themselves and say, He's right. He's right. They were, they were too selfish. They, 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 other people, look at that skag over him. He's the, he, over there, he's, he's the one he'd save, not me. If you look at John the Baptist, when they all, they all come out in the wilderness because John was baptizing people in Jordan, John the Baptist pretty much reads them from, from being baptized. They, they really don't even want to be baptized, but John the Baptist pretty much says, get out of here until you bring fruits, meat for repentance. They didn't even want to repent. They came out to see what was going on, and John the Baptist pretty much says, get out of here. There is a, a pain in Jesus' voice. Did you hear the lamentation in his voice? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would, I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her brood under her wing, but you would, would not. Do, do you see the, the ache, his heart aching towards Jerusalem, towards the Jewish people? Over their, their sinfulness, their hard-heartedness. There's a pain inside it of Jesus over the ramifications of sinfulness. What, what, what iniquity had done, it had blinded them. It had blinded them and they, they could see who Jesus was. They were too hard-hearted, self-righteous. But, but Jesus shows us what it's like to be poor in spirit. Broken, broken over the ramifications. Look what sin has done to my nation. Look what it's done. They can't even see Messiah right in front of their face. That has to be pouring in spirit, brothers and sisters. I'm asking this morning, now that we know what it is to be pouring in spirit, are you all pouring in spirit this morning? Are you? Are you broken inside of you? Or, or are you thinking, Hey man, I got saved. Go. I've been coming to church ever since. What more do you want from me? You know, a, a, a good way to tell whether you're poor in spirit or not is is sin a deal to you? Is it? Well, so what, man? Come on, I, I slipped up, said a few cuss words the other day, or whatever in the world it is. No big deal. Other people out there doing things hundred times worse. Sin should still be a big deal to you. It should. It should. It should convict. You should be convicted when you fall into sin. Now, I don't know how many of us are poor in spirit. I don't. I don't. Sometimes I question myself. No. Then how do we become poor in spirit? Well, you can always ask God. God gives liberally those those that ask. He upbraids. He doesn't hold anything back. If you sincerely ask God to break your heart, to make you see like He sees, look on people like He looks on people, make make your heart reflect His heart. If you ask Him that, He will. But I think I think this just kind of tells us in a parable, and we'll we'll bring this to a close shortly. I want to end with this parable. This parable's fantastic. I used before, and I'm going to use it in the future. But I, I think it's funny because Jesus, he don't, he don't pull any punches. What's funny is, in this parable, he's talking to self-righteous Pharisees. And in the parable, he calls one of the people a Pharisee. 
<laughs> you see what he does there? Pharisee's not the, the good person. Jesus ain't afraid, afraid to tell like it is. He speaks the truth. Listen, Luke chapter 18, 18 9. And he spoke a parable unto certain trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other, others. Verse 10 says, Two men went unto the temple to, to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, and said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. See, this, this man is up saying, Thank you, Lord, that I'm not a, a dirt bag anymore. You come and you clean me up. I've done all these good things. I, I know what the Bible says. I've got things memorized. I'm able to describe doctrines. I have all these things. I'm cleaned up. I don't have, have any bad habits. I do all these good things. I give money. See, that, that's who the Pharisees were back then. They had the law. They knew the law. They knew what, what Moses' law said. They, they knew all the various little commands. They knew the customs of the Jew, Jewish people. And they would teach them. And look at verse 13. And the publicans, now the public were considered like, like traitors to the Jewish people. Publicans were like used a lot by the people because they were, were educated. They were like tax collectors. And the Jews looked at them as tra traitors. So they were, they were scumbags to the Jewish people. A publican, standing afar off, would not so much lift up his eyes unto him, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you see the difference between the two, church? Do you see the difference between the two? Do you see the one that's poor in spirit? He's standing afar off. He won't even come near. He stands far away. You notice the Pharisee, the, the religious man, he come right up, up front for everyone to see. Lord, I thank you. So everyone, everyone could hear his prayer. Everyone could see his invocation. Lord, I thank you. I give all this money. I do all this good. But the, but the and he stands far off and he won't even look up. The only thing the publican can do is smote upon his breast and say, Lord, be merciful on a sinner like me. Look, look at what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, I tell you, this man went, went, went into his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Brothers and sisters, there's your answer. How do we stay poor in spirit? Stay humble. Humble. Stay humble. Always on your knees, smoting upon your breasts, saying, Lord, be merciful to a sinner like me. Don't ever get to that place where you're like, man, I'm doing pretty good. We just said tithing thing statements a few weeks ago. Did you get yours and say, man, I gave, I gave a lot of money. Man, I'm doing pretty good. Look at me, I gave 12%. Be careful. Because Jesus says the, the publican wouldn't even look up because he saw the need in his own spirit. He looked with himself and he saw nothing good. Just like the Apostle Paul. He said, in me dwells no good thing. Jesus is saying, stay like that in your spirit. Man, it could make, make your back. Brothers and sisters, that humbles himself shall be exalted. Stay on your knees 
before a holy God. I don't care if you've been saved 35 years. I don't care if you've been saved one year. Say on your knees before God at the foot of the cross. Stay humble in the sight of God. Stay humble, brothers and sisters. You know that God clothes you in His righteousness? Do you understand that? I can stand here this morning and say that I'm saved and I'm righteous. Not at all because of me, but he, he when God looks at you, if you're saved, he sees his, his son's blood. He sees his son's righteousness upon you. It's not me that's righteous now because I've stopped doing a few bad, bad things. I, I, I cut a few bad habits off. No, he takes Jesus' blood, blood applies it to me and then makes me righteous because when God the Father looks at me, he sees his son's blood and he sees his son's righteousness. It is not in us. We are sinful people. We are. We're needy. And we're, we're broken. We need to realize that and stay that way. Stay poor. Stay poor, brothers and sisters, in your spirit. Now the Bible says, because if so, you're blessed. And then the, the promise that is for heirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you stay poor in your spirit, you have a stake in the kingdom of heaven. You have a claim to a piece of the kingdom of heaven. You have a heart in the kingdom of heaven. That, that's the promise that comes with it. When you stay humble, when you, when you stand on your knees, when you say, Lord, I've been saved for 30 years, but I need you today. Brothers and sisters, hear me today. I'm telling you every morning before you your feet hit the ground and you wake up. Before that, you wake up. The first thought goes through your mind. Lord Jesus, I need you today or I'm going to butcher this day up. I need you today, Lord. I need you. Don't ever get to a place where, where I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm kind of getting the hang of this church thing. I'm getting the hang of this Christianity thing. Don't ever get, get to that place. Stay humble. Don't exalt yourself. Stay in your prayer closet. Soak upon your breath. Lord, have a little mercy on a sinner like me. And that, that is how you pour in spirit. Ask Him for, for that. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. This altar are always open, church. Always open as we sing. Hallelujah. Ask me.